Hey guys, welcome back to the Camel Call Podcast. Evan Budrovich with you. We're now three or four weeks in in this coronavirus pandemic and a chance to sit at home and reflect and, and think about some great memories in Campbell sports history. So we're going to bring on a recent graduate, Andrew Udy, who was an all-conference performer last year for Campbell men's basketball. In fact, he's the new shot block leader in the Campbell's program history. And Udy, who played 130 career games, was a big part of this program's transformation. Maybe not the accolades of Chris Clemens or the awards, but a player who was impactful with his passing, with his defense, and someone that was beloved here at Campbell. So I hope you enjoy this conversation okay, Udy, with Andrew Okay, let's get things started the old-fashioned way. I want to bring up some great games in your history at Campbell and get your thoughts <sighs> on a couple of things. So let's go back to your sophomore season. And you guys are making this fantastic run in the Big South Tournament. And, and all of a sudden, Chris Clemens goes off and scores 51 points in a game. <laughs> what was going through your guys' mind, and how did you all take in that week down in Winthrop? Uh, well, I mean – Obviously, that little run that we had was amazing. And then, obviously, you get into a game where Chris is literally making almost every single shot that he puts up. It's kind of surreal when you get into a game like that because all you're really thinking about is playing good defense and getting the ball to Chris because he's not missing any shots. Um, so, apart from that game, I think just getting to the championship was a big step for us because – no one really expected us to be in that position, um, especially coming off a season that we had my freshman year. So for Chris to be able to lead us like that in that game and push us into the championship, I mean, it's once-in-a-lifetime time kind of thing. So I think it was pretty amazing. Not only that, too, but then in the Radford game, because, you know, of course, I think Chris had another 35-, 40-point game. But you yourself had double figures, and maybe one of the best gifs or gifs or however you pronounce it uh, from that game was you kind of waving your shoulders and and walking around like you were you were hot garbage, if you will, uh, <laughs> to quote a word there. But uh, what was going through your mind when you were playing well against Radford and, and getting yourselves to the championship? Um, for me, it was just trying to ride the wave. I mean, with Chris scoring like he does, it kind of just brings confidence to everyone else on the team. So. I knew that I had to do my part in that game to bring us that extra mile as well just because Chris can't do it all by himself. I mean, he can do a lot of things, but for someone to will themselves that much and that many times in one little tournament, it's that's tough to do. So I was just trying to stay confident. And I think that's where that little shoulder shrug came out and a little, little overconfident. But, I mean, I think it's necessary in an environment like that when you get into the conference tournament. I mean, you've seen these teams twice already. So it was just really just about bringing the confidence to the team and to myself for the games. So over your career, you played 130 games, which, you know, still right now, I think Corey Genzer may have passed it, but the uh, the most games in Campbell history at that point. And, and just give me a sense about your durability and how you were able to put up a consistent effort night in and night out. Who I think the saving grace for me was just the staff around me with Troy and then all of the the utilities and stuff that we had. Like the Normatec became my best friend. We used to call him the Moon Boots. But I mean, I always prided myself on pushing myself past the limit. So when I got into tough situations and the tough grinds throughout the season, my body was prepared for it. Um, but I mean, the grind of a, of a season is it's different. Uh, you play, you start playing these games. You play thirty plus minutes a game. 
I mean, it takes a toll on your body. So I, I really just tried to stretch as much as I could, listen to what our strength coaches were saying, listen to what Troyce was saying, and all the support staff like that, just because, I, I mean, they're there for a reason. And I think I made a, a pretty big point of mine to go out of my way to make sure I was doing the best that I could for my body to stay durable throughout the season because I mean there's times in my career where I, I'll get a busted eye and I had to come back out there just because I know like that's just a temporary pain that you have to push through to play and help the team out some more so um, I think really mental toughness is a lot of it um, and then obviously that the sports stuff that I had around me and all the equipment that we had to help me push through the long grind of a season. I'm glad you mentioned that because I remember one time I was walking through the training room to head to the back there, and I saw uh, Troy was working on your feet because obviously you have large feet as a tall guy, but they were all scraped up. They had bumps and, and bruises, and just that day-to-day stuff can, right. can really be a grind. Oh, yes, for sure. It's, Troy and I became very close, and uh, still to this day we talk um, – I have nothing but love for Troyce and all of the information that he has given me and the knowledge that I've learned from him just because I always wanted to know more about my body because obviously you know how your body feels, but we haven't learned everything about our bodies or we haven't been taught if you don't go down that path in education. So everything that he would say, and I would always ask questions about my body and different things, aspects of the body to learn more myself so I wasn't always so like dependent on him I was able to go into the training room and do what I had to do and he knew I was going to be responsible enough to go in and do what I had to do get out and not lollygag around basically but um yeah Troyce Troyce always made sure all my bumps and bruises were good um but he also knew that if I came to him for something that was hurting, like he knew it was serious because I was not someone who just went in there for anything. It was definitely going to be some some type of pain that I couldn't really push through at that, that point in time. One of the aspects of your game, Udy, that I think Campbell fans came to respect was your shot blocking. And, of course, you had almost 200 blocks in your career. And for a guy who, who was taller and, and longer, I'm just curious the pride you took in, in trying to deflect shots and what it was like when you, when you could see shots starting to move away from the basket. I always took pride in blocking shots just because a lot of people, they see some skinny white guy. I mean, I'm undersized for a five, the position five. So a lot of people didn't really respect that part of my game until I went on the court and proved it. So I think for me, it was a lot more about just pride. And if if someone were to come into the lane and try to basically either dunk on me or just try to lay it up on me just because they didn't respect that I was going to be the defender that I was, I just, it was a, a huge confidence boost to just throw their shot away. And then obviously it gets the team pumped up and the crowd pumped up. And you can stare them down a little bit, get a, get them going, get that competition in the air. So I think a lot of it just came from my pride and proving people wrong because that's always what I've been trying to do, just proving to myself that I can do all of these things and then proving to other people that I'm here for a reason. I'm not to be messed with. So I think that's a big reason that I kind of took a lot of pride in that. No, I'm glad you brought that up because for people who may not know, and, and I'd love for you to kind of dive into this, 
you know, your story after going to high school, you went to prep school for a year up in Pennsylvania, and, and the Campbell opportunity was kind of something that came about late in your recruitment process and sort of by chance, honestly, to, to get you down here. Right, yeah, so when I was, uh, I was in Lebanon, Pennsylvania, I graduated from a small school. Um, not really, not many athletes came from the school. There was a few from other sports, um, but as far as basketball went, we weren't, we weren't really a big basketball school at all. So when I came in there, it was really the only time that they had seen someone that could potentially go to the, to the Division One level. So it was a it was a new process for everyone, not only for me, but for the coaches and the school itself. So luckily, throughout my college or throughout my high school career, I was uh, I was just blessed with a lot of good people around me that wanted the best for me. So I like my AAU coach uh, and the owner of the AAU team. He really stuck his neck out there for me, taking a chance on me. And I'm very grateful for that because that was the reason I actually uh, the owner of my AAU team is the reason that I went to the prep school because he had went there when he was my age. Um, and coming out of high school, I graduated when I was 17. So I was young coming out of high school. So I was like, I might as well go get another year to develop open up my recruiting like area a little bit more because um, I wasn't getting much out of high school. It was a lot more interest, and I also wasn't playing to the potential that I should have been. Um, that was more of a mentality thing for me that I had to learn, and I luckily I was able to learn that while I went to prep school at Fork Union Military Academy, actually. And uh, that was I, – I chose that school just because I knew – there would be no distractions, and I knew that they had a good program. I knew they had a good coach. And I had great players around me as well. I a guy who went to Creighton, a guy who went to Kansas State, another one who went to Robert Morris. Um, so on a team full guys. of studs, the uh, the 6'7 yeah. six, six, guy from Pennsylvania stuck out, right? Right, yeah. So luckily I was able to uh, earn a little bit from that. And that's when uh, Dan Giroux was at Campbell at this time before he left to go to the Cavaliers. I just remember him coming to a practice at Fork Union, and uh, he was like, I really like your game. I've seen a few games of yours, and I think he talked to me after I had a couple game, a couple 17-rebound games. Um, so I did pretty well for myself at Campbell, or at uh, Fork Union, to get me into the position to come to Campbell. And luckily, I came down to Campbell, visited. Um, I liked everything about it honestly I knew it was an up-and-coming program I knew that we were going to have a lot of people coming in that could help uh to be honest I didn't know Chris was going to be like this when I was coming in I don't think anyone really could have predicted the impact that he had on college basketball but yeah I definitely took an unusual route to get to where I was but I think that's a huge contribution from a lot of the people that uh were put into my life throughout my high school career because they all helped me out and they all supported me. And, Yudi, I'm curious, too, because obviously the final three years you started almost every game, all but one game in your career. But the first year you were largely off the bench, and, and even in that it was kind of sparing maybe less than 10 minutes a game. So what for you either flipped or, or what did you learn from that first year to, to get you ready for, for year two and beyond? Ooh, it's definitely a humbling experience my first year just because I mean obviously you come from uh I came from prep school and just from anywhere really 
anywhere else from college, you come into the program thinking like you are the man because that's that's how it is usually. You are the guy on the team. You are, if not the number one option, the number two option. So even at prep school, like I was still one of the top options with a lot of very good players. Um, so I think coming in and then realizing that I I may think that I'm ready to play, and I think that I definitely um, could had could have had more of an impact. But at the same time, the coaches obviously saw something that I didn't, and obviously I'm a lot more biased because it's myself. But um, I think after that year, humbled myself and just worked and grinded as much as I could um, just because I knew that's what it was going to take for me to get to that next step. So I think it was honestly a good thing for me. Sometimes I think back uh, to whether or not I should have registered or not, but I think it was good for me because I think that just motivated me even more to become the player that I was the next three years to help out the team. No, and it was certainly fun to see that growth just from our standpoint, you know, to year two, to year three. And one of the games that people don't necessarily remember about your career, but it stands out to me is opening up the season your junior year at Penn State, and you were a big guy from Pennsylvania. Obviously, a whole bunch of family showed up to that game, and, and that was a neat trip for a bunch of reasons. But I'm just curious what that was like for you to play in front of your family, and I think you had a double-double in that game as well. Yeah, that was a really good experience because I knew a lot of my friends and family, high school coaches and supporters came out to that game and to play at Penn State. Obviously, they had a good team, um, a lot of – Philadelphia guys were on that team too so to go back there and play in front of all of those people was definitely a huge motivation for me in that game and obviously we wanted a different outcome and I think we definitely could have had a different outcome if just a few things went our way a little bit more but I mean they had a great team with Tony Carr and Lamar Stevens that team was I think it was an NIT I want to say finalist or maybe champion that year you played them yeah I think so but uh, no, they were definitely a good team. It was just, it was just really cool to get out there and play in front of all those people and see all those people because I haven't seen them for for so long. Because obviously the college grind, you're there in the summers and stuff like that, so you don't really get to go home for long to see all of your friends and family. But to play in front of them and play pretty decently, it was definitely, it was definitely a big, a big game for me. Just because, like, just to show everybody that from your hometown this is like you're doing it and like more people can do it from your hometown like for example there's a kid on the, my high school team now who uh definitely division one athlete it's just tough coming from a small school like that and if you're not on a great aau team then you don't really get seen like that so i'm hopefully i can help this guy out as much as i can but um i hope that he is able to also see like the love and support that comes out of that town and those people, because there are good people, it's kind of it's kind of like Campbell, just because it's a small town, everyone knows everybody. Um, it's really just your outlook on the situation in the town that makes the town and the people. So that kind of leads into my next question too, because uh, the the support and kind of the enthusiasm of the crowd towards you was something that was very easy to notice and something that was resounding, especially your your last couple of years. What was your relationship like with with Bowie's Creek and just feeling like kind of that second family here in the creek i had a great relationship with everyone in Bowie's creek just because like i said you're there for probably 
no less than 10 months out of the year. So even when we're there in the summers, you go to Quito's pool, you're seeing people from the community out there at the pool or at the um, the golf course when we go out there and play a little bit or just around the town. So people, like I said, it's a smaller community, so people know who you are and you see a lot of people, a lot of familiar faces. So I just made it a point to always be kind and be generous to people because they take the time out of their day to come to our games and support us. They always had nice things to say about me, which is always very, very cool and very great to see, obviously. But I just, I think a lot of us coming into Campbell wanted to just make it a, make it a different kind of feel in the Creek and make the community have something more to root for and have a little bit more excitement in the town because there's not much to do. So it's no great that they can, yeah, they can come to the games. They can get loud, and get rowdy and crazy. And just always love hearing the long beauty chant coming out. I'm glad you mentioned that because that, that definitely stands out. But one of the games too, yeah. where it, not only was it a sellout, it was above capacity was the Radford regular season final. And the way the schedule all worked out, it was sort of whoever won that game won the title. And and just give me a sense as a player, as you're getting ready to play and you're warming up, and are you guys feeling that atmosphere? And what was it like just going in a battle with Radford to try to win the title that day? I mean, it was it was definitely a great day. It was a great, definitely a great feeling going into the game. Um, I I wouldn't say it really felt any different just because it's just another game. I mean, it just happened to be senior night. It happened to be for the regular season title. So, I mean, obviously that gives it a little bit more of an edge just because of the senior night. But at the end of the day, it came down to Chris and I's, like not the last game at home, but like that was our senior night. So we win this, we host the tournament. So there's just a lot more, I think, a little added motivation to, to the game for us and then the crowd just energized us so much more once the game started going and you could see all those people and they're going crazy um obviously it was a great game for a lot of us um but i think the crowd played a huge part in that just because like you had said i think it was a little bit over capacity so everyone was going crazy all the time and I, I don't think people realize how much of a difference that makes for players because um, you, you hit a three and the crowd goes crazy and you feed off the crowd a little bit. I mean, that's, that could potentially motivate you to a 8-0 run. Like, so. And I want to pull back the curtain a little bit too because after you know the title ceremony and, and the cutting of the nets, uh, Ricky Ray and I think a couple of the people handed you the trophy and, and you sprinted right towards the band to, to celebrate with the band and you lifted the trophy and, and took some pictures with them. I, I'm kind of curious how that all went down and, and maybe just your thoughts as, as, as everyone's trying to adore you and, you know, celebrate your guys' big moment. Yeah, I mean, definitely uh, when I celebrated with my family and all that kind of stuff first and all the people that came out to watch. But um, the band, I mean, that's just – that was almost like an unconditional love just because they're always there. Even when there's there's winter break, they're usually there. So it's like – they're going through the grind with us too when people aren't even really on campus coming to games and stuff. So, and I had, uh, I had a pretty good relationship with um, a few of the band members as well. And they had just always shown us love and support. 
So I think to share that moment with them as well was important just because they, I mean, they're working hard for us all the time too. And for them to give, give uh, like not only me, but the team like so much support all the time. And even if we lose a game, they're like, don't worry about it. Like get the next one, stuff like that. It, you just, it's just a different type of feeling that you get because you. I've been to a lot of places, especially playing overseas. You just see like the environment that you're in and the people that you're around just makes so much of a difference. And I think everyone deserves to be treated a certain way. So I feel like sharing that moment with them was very important as well. I'm glad you mentioned your professional career because yeah, obviously you just graduated recently, but you're you're now playing overseas in Slovakia and obviously right now at this moment with some things going on in the world you're not playing but but give me a little bit of a sense of what that journey has been like for you and how much fun it's been to travel to different countries and experience a new part of the world yeah I've always loved Europe I've been to Europe uh, quite a few times so I've always thought obviously NBA is always the goal of every single basketball player but um if you are not given that opportunity, then going overseas is definitely not like it's not a bad experience whatsoever. You get to travel for free. You get to play basketball for a living. So, I mean, going going to Slovakia first was definitely a learning experience. Um, and you learn a lot that first year from everything, from agents to teams to the countries that you go to. Um, just how players are, like the difference of gameplay. So like going over there, I, I now realize why John did certain things, John Interquadra, just because he had played in Europe for so long in Spain. And it's, it is actually a different game. So there's certain, like there were certain things and certain different calls from the referees that you were like, oh, okay, now this makes sense why he thought this when he was playing in the States. So, I mean, it's a huge learning experience in every single aspect of life because, I mean, you're you're put out there by yourself. You know, like, you don't know any of these people that you're going out there with. You are around a lot of people who don't speak English. So you have to learn their language a little bit to kind of survive. Um, and obviously you have teammates, like local teammates who help you out a lot and make sure you're fine. But... I think it was definitely a great experience in the fact that I learned a lot from um, I had some good good Americans and Slovakian guys around me but I just I don't think I'll ever forget this first year just because of how much you learn and how much you actually go through that people don't see and no one will really understand everything that you go through when you go over there just because everyone sees, oh, he's, just, he's a professional basketball player. Like, he's living the life. He gets to play basketball for a living. And, yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm blessed and I'm fortunate to, to be able to do that and travel the world and do it. But there's a lot of um, a lot of things that you have to deal with there, throughout this process. It's not just all rainbows. So I think um, as long as everyone can see that it is also a grind – when you get there, I mean, I think it would be the same thing for Chris. Like, yeah, he's in the he's in the NBA. That's fantastic. He's living the dream right now. But I know there's there's definitely lots of things that he has to work through. There's definitely lots of things that he has to deal with mentally, emotionally, physically um, to adjust to that type of the play and the lifestyle and stuff like that. 
but you know, I'm extremely grateful to be able to do this and I'm excited to see where uh, given this Corona stuff, uh, I'm excited to see where I go next season. I, I wanted to ask you, especially about you talk about breaking barriers and trying new things, even at your time at Campbell between the, the CBI and the, the CIT and the NIT and all these different postseason tournaments, kind of finding a new way every year to rewrite a book or, if you will, set a new record for Campbell. What what are something maybe you're proud of or kind of can take away from your career and say, man, I was able to do X, Y, or Z and really change the, the narrative about this group? I think um, originally coming into college, I was really just wanted to flip the program because I, I was coming in – they weren't really considered a winning program for quite some time. And that was kind of exactly how it was when I came into high school. Um, they were struggling to get like to muscle out some wins. Like they had some pieces, but they just needed something to push them over the top. And coming into college, that was a huge thing for me. We just have to get better every single year as a team. And I think, I mean, that's what we did every single year. We got better. Obviously we wish we could have made a, a tournament, um, a March Madness tournament, but things happen, games happen. You can't really go back and like mope on situations like that. But I think huge, huge thing for me was just making sure that the community and the school had more of a profound respect for the basketball program and the basketball players. Um, because I think I had said this before in an interview that like the basketball team was not looked fondly on uh, when I had first came there. There was a lot of stereotypes about basketball players that I did not like when I had first came to Campbell. So I tried to really rewrite that narrative first with the people and then obviously doing what I could on the court in my own time to get myself to the level that I needed to be at to help the team be better every single year. And then coming in just blocking shots uh i think it was i believe it was my sophomore year i think i had 70 that season yeah uh yep 70 blocks your sophomore year yeah so after that season it was just i want to play i want to break the shot the block shots record just because um i mean there was points in time in that season that my family was telling me that i was in the top 25 and block shots in the country. I mean, that's, that's just not something that you hear a lot from a six, seven white guy playing division one basketball. So that was definitely a huge goal of mine, like a personal goal for me. And then just to personally get better shooting wise and get stronger just so I could hold my own more so to help the team. But I think I, I'm, I think everything that we pretty much set out for besides not making the tournament, uh, we pretty much accomplished because we got, we got better every single year. I, I do want to ask you about the, uh, some of the traditions you guys built. And, and one of them that McGeehan kind of started your last year was, was the camel chain and, and handing out, you know, this, this really symbolic uh, necklace to the, the performer of the game and, and things like that. I imagine you and Chris and, and Corey shared that award a lot your senior year, but you, you got it the very first game at home against Wilmington. And just take me through the emotion of not only beating your rival at home in a crazy overtime game, but also, too, being able to kind of put that on your shoulders and, and celebrate with your group. That game was huge for us. Um, we hadn't beaten them 
a single time my four years there, but they had always been, besides I think one time, they had always been close games. Like I think the year before we went into overtime as well at their place. Um, so it was definitely just a huge milestone for me just because we finally beat them and it was the first game of my senior season. Um, so Chris and I were definitely extremely motivated to go out there and beat them. And Chris and I actually talked about it afterwards. We were just uh, hyping each other up about how we finally beat them. Like we just, we needed to beat them. Um, Cause obviously a great team and they had uh, Kaycock who was just a freak athlete and a great player. Um, they also had like great pieces around him as well. But I think going into that game with that type of motivation, I, I think did I have a double double that game? Let me uh, let me pull it up. Glad you uh, you mentioned I it. I think twenty one points, nine rebounds, and five assists. Pretty nine, close. Okay, nine rebounds. Yeah, yeah. So it was definitely going into that game. It was huge for me to get on the the glass because Kaycock was such a presence on the glass. He was able. I mean, he was always top in the country in rebounding in Division One basketball. So with someone like that physical presence, you need to make sure to do your part to match that. If if you if you're not going to over overdo them, you need to at least match that intensity. So that was a big emphasis of mine going into that game, and then uh, to be able to get the chain afterwards for the first time, it was I was a little confused when I first saw it. It made me think of the the Miami Hurricanes oh, yeah. chain, <laughs> but uh, that was definitely a very cool experience, especially going out of the game with a busted eye in the I believe it was the fourth quarter. Or the second quarter, second half, like near the end, um, having to get that glued up, and then have Chris put the team on his on his shoulders for a little while to help me out until I could come back in. But I mean, even Chris, he he took over, in overtime, and he was he was a huge reason why we won that game. I was just luckily, statistically, a little bit more. I outmatched him a little bit more statistically that game to get the chain. It is funny. One of the, one but, of the times you can truly say it. Yudi, uh, I'm curious because so much of your game, we talk about the blocking shots and, and the scoring the last couple of years, but throughout your entire career, the ability you had to pass the basketball and, and kind of the way the Campbell offense is run, it's a lot of passing to space and using your eyes to set up players. How did you learn to operate in that flow and, and what kind of stood out to you as you're sitting there your senior year looking left and throwing a pass where no one even expects it. And then all of a sudden, you know, Chris is cutting in and dunking on a crazy play like that. Right. I mean, I feel like I've, I've always been able to pass pretty well uh, throughout my basketball career. But I think that system kind of worked perfectly for me because I knew I knew where I could put the ball. I knew when I could throw it. And I think that just comes from a lot of studying the game because – as you study the game more and more, when you see somebody not turn their head around completely, you can make those backdoor passes because they don't see it coming. So I think if you're able to study the game a lot and uh, watch a lot of the great players in the NBA and all of these other leagues as well, like even in Europe, these the big men in Europe, they're super skilled and they're able to pass and dribble and all this kind of stuff. And I, I just made a point to to always learn from a lot of these very skilled players just because there's always so much more to learn. So 
and playing with Chris, he made it he made it pretty easy for me as well with how quick he was and how strong he was. Even if it was a tight pass and someone got a hand on it, he was able to rip it from him and go up and dunk it. So he definitely he definitely helped me out a lot. But I think our our chemistry and our ability ability to read the game in that offense is really what. Uh, set me up for success and being able to get all those assists and I think once people on the team saw that I was able to pass and I was able to hit them in spots that even they didn't realize I was going to be able to get the ball to them because there was many times where I was able to get a pass through but they just weren't expecting it so it counts as a turnover but after that moment now they're always expecting it so I think just learning all around with the, the players that you're with and being in their offense really set me up for success. And I think the coaches saw that. Um, I think that's why they took such an interest in me because I was able to see the floor like that and I was able to get passes in places where people really weren't supposed to. Um, I know a pass that really stands out to me is when I was we were playing at UNC Asheville and Marcus had given me it was a little bit off of a pass, but I had gotten double teamed and threw it behind my head to him cutting. Uh, oh, and he dunked driving baseline, I think, right? If I, yeah. If I recall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there was just a bunch of cool highlight video plays like that that you can look back on. Countless plays with Chris where he's just going back door and dunking on somebody. We could do a whole podcast about crazy plays. I think Chris Clemens did in his career, if if we're being oh, honest. Of course. <laughs> of course, yeah. Udi, I'm curious too because one of the games that stands out from your four years was the game at Liberty, your junior season. And this was a game where Marcus and Chris combined to break an NCAA record. They combined for 23s. But in the first two minutes of that game, uh, yourself, you banked in a three to really kickstart yeah. what was a ridiculous three-point shooting night. Right. Yeah. I remember that pretty well. Um, just because I remember I banked in the, the three to start off in Liberty, they always have been known for their defense. So for us to be able to shoot that well and beat them like that um, was huge for us. So it's funny to think back to that think that I had started off that shooting night with a bank three and having them just literally make every single shot that they put up almost. Um, I think Marcus actually had, I think he had 32 points and so he had one layup and 10 threes. So it's pretty insane to think that someone is able to shoot like that. And Chris, obviously I think he, he might've ended with 40 something, but he also had 10 threes. So I've never seen anything like that before. No, it, it was a game for the ages, yeah. and, and Chris Haymeyer and I were both there just kind of in awe of, of all the shots going down. I think the game was in the 90s to the 80s, pretty high scoring. and Yeah, not something you see every day in Lynchburg. Yeah, no, not at all. It was cool to be part of it, though. Yudi, my final question for you, um, certainly now is – is you're about a year out from school and, and getting set for whatever the next stage is in your career once the coronavirus stuff kind of comes uh, to fruition and to a, hopefully a soon end for everyone healthy out there. But um, for yourself, just thinking back to your Campbell career, I'm curious what it meant to you to be a part of Campbell. I know you've mentioned pride in trying to resurrect the program and you know make a name for yourself, but maybe what Campbell did for you as well and how that dynamic worked together over your four years. Um. 
Kimball has done a lot for me. I've I've met just tons of great people. And it's always in a, a small community like that is where you find people like that. Also, just coming down south, being able to, I've realized that, that southern hospitality is, is an actual thing after being able to come down to Campbell and meeting all of these great people. Um, but I think, yeah, just leaving that legacy at Campbell, Chris and I were able to walk away and be proud of what we did. And I think people will always remember this, especially because of Chris and everything that he was able to accomplish for himself and for Campbell. So I think just being a part of this, that team and really putting a little fire under the Campbell program, I think was huge for me and for me being able to have all of the great coaches that I had and have all the great people around me that supported me. And uh, I remember specifically after that Radford game, there was a, a fan, I believe it was Jacor's uncle, Jacor Nelson's uncle, or one of his relatives had told me, he was like, what, what are your plans for next year, this and that? And I was like, I mean, I plan to play professionally. And he was like, well, you're going to get that call. What are you going to do with it? And I don't know why is it, but that, but that conversation, like there's just that support that you're able to get from people that you don't even really know that well or that personally it's just it's it's different it's a different type of feeling that you're that you're getting so i was able to meet a lot of people like that that had that type of faith in me and my ability i mean even there was times obviously i was a very confident player but there was times where i i didn't even think i could, I could play at that level but other people as could see it in me some type of um support and confidence from people that you don't even really know that well I think is something that I'll always take with me and I think it has actually pushed me to be a better man and a better person not only obviously a better basketball player but like like I said to be a better man and a better person to the people around me and help out as many people as I can just because I know what that support did for me so I can only imagine what it would it would be coming from someone who had gone through a division one program so I think I, I, the big thing I would take away from it is just the people and the relationships that I, I made at Campbell. Well, Udi, we, we certainly appreciate it. And I know it's got to be tough playing in these various gyms and not hearing your name every time you hit a three. But it's, it's always fun right. to watch you play. And we appreciate you jumping on the, the podcast today. Oh, yeah. Well, I appreciate you calling. It was fun. I hope you guys are doing well. And I hope everyone stays safe during this, these times.